Welcome to Open House, the podcast all about having those difficult conversations. Ever had to hash out funeral plans with your terminally ill mum? Or ask if your dad is really your dad? We have, and we want to chat all about it. Join me, Clancy, and me, Mel, as we open up and get into some nitty gritty details. Like therapy, but cheaper. This is Open House. Hi everyone, so today on Open House, we have the fabulous Dan Y with us. Um, Dan is a award-winning comedian and drag queen. Um, His or their? Yeah, he, they, they're my pronouns, yeah. He, they, so he, um, his drag character is Seance, and he'll be performing at Manchester Home in December, so keep an eye out mm. for him there, if we hopefully ever get out of lockdown. Please welcome Dan Wise. Hello, 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 hello. How's so it going? Dan, howdy. How is it going, Mel? How are you? How am I? Yeah, how oh, well, I'm great. I'm having a lovely time. Am I or am I lying? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How are you, Fran? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm not. I'm not loving going back to Zoom life, to be honest. No. Oh no, actually, no. no that's the worst. I've it... lost all my teaching work by like a little bit. Oh. And then I'm so sorry. Oh, I had to teach this class the other day on Zoom, and I was getting super organised, and I put water on my piano, and then knocked it over. That's annoying. I, I'm also having like meetings with people about like um, like office Christmas events that might happen over Zoom and stuff. And I'm just like, no, no, there's no. nothing more uh, disheartening and soul crushing than getting into drag and then sitting on your room <laughs> and turning on a webcam. Like that isn't, I mean, getting into makeup anyway is soul crushing, but doing it <laughs> and then having to just talk to people on a screen. It's so I mean, at least let me be like, let me be a webcam girl or something, you know, like a little bit exciting instead of doing like a Zoom quiz, you know? <laughs> but you know what? If it brings in the dollar, it does. Baby, this is, the, this is a, like, this is, I think this is the, the way up that we're all having to have at the moment is kind of like, how am I going to survive? Like, how am I going to make money? And just weighing that up against, like, how creative can I be? How uh, enriching will this experience be? And, like, that's the hard thing. Like, I just had a month. Like, in October, Seance is busy because the characters, like, I run a Seance and, like, we contact the dead. So, like, October's a really busy month for me. So I was like, you have to just be booked constantly so that you know that when you go into lockdown, however long that is, you can sit financially for a couple of months and not stress out. I feel like, I mean, I know your character does seances, but mm. seances, yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. But so we were working together in October and you predicted that we were gonna go into another lockdown. What? Dan, Dan was literally like, okay, I'm booked. This is Halloween week. I'm booked up. I'm making lots of money this week. I have to do all of these gigs because in the event that we go into another lockdown, I'll need the money. Yeah, but I think everyone, at, you know, I think when you tap into the idea that everyone's, you know, kind of a witch, <laughs> I think that's, you know, like a powerful thing to know. Because I think I there it. is. I think the, 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 the more I do... Um, seance and like because a lot of people that come to see me they're like a lot of queer people but also like a lot of like witches like covens a lot of like tarot people like a lot of people who are connected to like the mystical world and um there are times like in that room where it does feel like 
quite like spiritual and magic. Like there are times where I will say something or someone will say something and it's kind of like there's a connection there and you're like, whoa, this is weird. But then I guess also that's kind of what performance is. That is what comedy is, is like the connection of, but like the magic of that. But um, but yeah, I think everyone's a bit of a witch, you know? Did, I love that. <laughs> Did you kind of like, okay, because I don't know about you, but I think like, all kind of like like tarot cards and I'm just I'm one of those people who's like ah oh, mumbo jumbo crap were you like that before you started doing this and then have slowly kind of been like oh hang on a second or have you always had an affinity to like crystals and tarot um and... I think I came from maybe a similar place that you come from with it maybe like I think I was like raised a Catholic, which is also like maybe like a lot of belief in in mumbo jumbo in that. But like, but then, <laughs> I, guess, I guess like yeah, I mean it's all its own kind of belief. Do you know what I mean? But because um, that's the thing, it's just the power in the belief. Oh, I've got a very good story actually. But um, that um, so I think gradually I almost have like my father's brain when it comes to things that like aren't very logical, and it's kind of like this is this doesn't make sense to me. But then I guess we're doing it and I guess we drag, I guess through all these different types of expression and belief and uh, evolution, I'm trying my hardest to be more like open-minded and like to not see some like hippy dippy shit and be like, this is trash. You don't know what you're doing. Who is this for? And then instead of being there like, is this making you happy? Is this making you feel centered? Is this making you feel better about the world? Then yeah, okay. Then like, why, why would I need to question that for you? But like, I'm so I think I have been more open to the more spiritual stuff but it is hard to kind of like change those thought processes when you're kind of at the beginning just kind of thinking this is trash but actually it's not sometimes there have been times where like when you open yourself to it it is super powerful (laughs) so there's okay the story i wanted to say was so in terms of different belief right so my granddad i've got i've come from like an irish um descent and um my granddad uh used to live on like the border uh like monaghan basically like the border of like southern and north island but um and uh is it southern and north island i don't know that's maybe it maybe sounds stupid but anyway that border and um <laughs> wait confirm is it that wait, that is I it no yeah it's southern, okay, southern irish and northern irish okay i don't know why this is also what this is what lockdown is happening is like destroying my entire brain like i try and think <laughs> of something and i think it's real and then i'm like questioning okay. it in myself yeah. is it actually real you're talking to the woman who called um i still can't think of the word for it a lawnmower <gasps> i couldn't think of the word for a lawnmower <laughs> i was outside i was like has anyone seen the um the, the grass hoover the grass hoover <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I living with? What is A grass this? hoover. A grass hoover. Yeah. That is beautiful. Thank you. So yeah, so my granddad, right? So he's like this really like stoic Irishman. And um, he, but where he's from, the belief is that he was born, when he was, his, his mum was pregnant with him, his dad died before he was born, which meant that he was given the gift. And this is like really believed in and that like he has the gift to cure thrush like no joke okay I need some so help. usually people <laughs> i'll get my granddad on the next week but um but i but yeah but like people in that area believe that like if they spoke to my granddad um and if they were around him that it would clear their thrush and it did like it did it used to do it because people believe in it so much and there are so many different things like that i think in 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 the culture there with these like little beliefs and like these little gifts and and things like that like there's something about like the seventh son of the seventh son or something or like there's loads of different things like that but like there's a few people in my family that like have a similar thing like my mom's 
grandma apparently she could cure warts or something and like my mum has a story that when she was a child she went to her grandma and she was like i've got warts on my hands and she was like right let's count them we're going to tear a piece of paper of how many there are and then we're going to set it on fire maybe and say a prayer and the next day my mum was there like they were gone so like i think this is all belief you know like if it makes you happy if it makes if it does the thing that you want it to do then you know but it is interesting though like i think it is interesting and when people like because it's also like a, a form of knowledge that when you sit down with someone who knows it like i love like like palm reading stuff as well like there have been times where i've been booked um as seance to do like a comedy palm reading at someone's like event which is always like it just always turns into therapy like it just always turns into like me sitting there and a woman sitting with me and being there like um i fancy my neighbor who's half my age i want to leave my husband but i'm pregnant and i'm like okay let me ask my let me ask the cards as I'm in full drag with like with like fake candles sitting around me just being there like what part of this do you think is real Hern? like this is crazy but like <laughs> there have been times like within that where um someone I'll do like a little joke about someone's palm and they'll be like do you want a palm reading and I'm like yeah okay and then they're like because I can do it and I'm like cool and then they'll like flip it and just actually read my palm and then I'll kind of be like yeah that makes sense I kind of love it. Like, I'm here for it. Like, I, I forgot also that I can go to seances and I can go to palm readings and tarot readings and I can tax that up. <laughs> like, I can do that. Yeah. So, guys, shall we shall we ask about our first difficult conversation? Let's. Because, I mean, we could talk about tarots for, like, an hour. We but could. I yeah. feel like, we should actually but you've got get on so with much the podcast. Yeah, we've got so much juicy content. Um, mm. Take it away, Dan. Whatever one you want to do first. Um, I think I'd like to talk about, like... A conversation that I think I have quite frequently about pay, about yes. as a performer, mm. I think about pay and rates, because I think it really sinks in to like deeper psychological or like emotional levels of like a question of worth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think as a performer who has a character who has like a, yeah, like a thing that I've created myself and that I, I create the tours and the shows and like obviously I, I create the opportunity and then I get opportunities from the opportunity from other people like but um I think it's hard because I have like a packaged branded thing that I perform all over for different events different people and there's they constantly you have the question of of pay of rates and I find it really difficult all the time because I'm kind of like I guess the, the, the dilemma that you sit in is if you're offered too little uh, you don't want, it's already so hard to come by gigs and earning money from doing the thing that you want, especially creatively. And I think like the worry that passes through my mind is that like, if I say that rate is crazy, like I, I'm worth, like I'm, I'm a, like an award-winning person. I've toured around the world. Da, 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 da. I would expect this rate that that person would go, then go find somebody else who is cheaper and easier to work with. And then I wouldn't get that gig at all. So then it's kind of like hard because I'm there like, do I stand up for myself and say, I deserve a better rate than this? Like I've been working hard and doing all these things. So like, if you want this branded thing, if you want this, you have to expect to pay this. But then the risk is that gig then might go because they might try and find someone easier. Have you ever had that situation where you've, where you've gone, do you know what, this isn't enough? And they've and gone, they okay. Yeah, I have. Like, I have. But then also the thing is, is like, I guess it plays into how you look at these things, which I think is really hard also as a performer, as a creative, because we tend to make it like a personal thing. That budget might not be able to stretch to you, like at the end of the day. So they could have an event on and literally they've only got this much for a budget. Um, and 
you saying that's not enough, they might just need to get another performer, but then you as a performer kind of like then can go into the 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 spiral of being there like, oh, I wasn't good enough to pay a bit more for, or like, I've just lost that, or do you know what, like, I'm, is my rate too high? And But like, I think it's, um, it's a hard one, I think. But yeah, that has happened to me. Um, and often when I get offered a gig or something, and I'm not quite sure, like, with all this online stuff, a different format, like, I'm often, sometimes I'm a bit like, well, I've never, like, been in this area of performance before, like, doing a Zoom for somebody. Like, um, so often, like, it's good to have, like, people in your community, like, other performers to be like, what would you, norm what would you normally charge? But then again, it's also crazy when you find out, like, what some people are getting compared to what you're asking for. Like, you can ask for a lot more than I think people do. Yeah, do you know what I, mean? I find it so hard to ask for money. Like, I get so, like, Ugh. Yeah, I think we all do. I think we all get that. It's it's literally, I mean, the reason why we're having this conversation on this podcast, but, yeah, that feeling of, like, what if they say no? And what if it goes really badly? Yeah. What, um, because I assume when you started out, obviously you're, you're developing your character. Mm. Have there been times where you've gone, do you know what, I'm in a different, because obviously there's no system for this. It's not like, you know, we're self-employed. So it's not like you're, yeah, you're yeah, at a, yeah. you know, you're doing a corporate job and then you go up a pay grade. How do you decide that you're in the next bracket? And also, do you decide or is there like a company like, do you know what I mean? Like an equity kind of thing? Oh, no, like I, there's no equity as far as I know, there are there are some like more like underground kind of like drag unions um yeah. or like things that like they're just like but they're more like just message boards i think for people to like discuss their thoughts for me i think it was kind of like um jumping through the hoops and achieving things that i wanted to achieve so like if i sold out this venue that meant something to me and i think that meant something in a in an industry thing so like the first time i sold out soho theater I was like, okay, that's an achievement. Like that is a that is a level up. Like that is something that I um, have always wanted to do. That's something that's really hard to do, I think, in my industry. Um, and then, like when I taught to Australia, that kind of that then upped me again because I was there, like, okay, well, I like, I've taught, like, I've been, I can tour the world. Like this is a bigger tour. And then, like, um, I toured around the UK for a bit. So, like, each thing like that, it kind of like just ups your status. And then I think it also within those things, it meant I made friends with artists who I looked up to so much and like who were, you know, icons in, in the world that I, I work in. And that kind of meant that your friends were like part of a higher pool. And then I guess, I think in the queer showmaking world, the pool of people is quite small. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, or at least that's what I felt like within Edinburgh, like you go up and like, you kind of find yourself having drinks with people who you've idolized forever. And you're there like, we're friends now. Because actually, like, you reach a point if you're making work of, like, equality and it's doing well and, like, and you're constantly putting yourself out there in that way, like, performing a full show, there aren't that... I mean, there are, there are many, but... Um, I, I see, but there aren't that many, I guess, within the circle that I found myself in. And, like, the people that I found myself in were really, like, top-notch, like, top-tier. Um, sorry to mention tiers, if that's triggering for anybody. <laughs> but, um... But yes, I think <laughs> shed a tear. But um, but no, then I think after that point, I was kind of like, right, like I'm performing in the venues that I want to perform in. I'm performing at a higher capacity. I'm friends with artists who I respect. So then at that point, I'm started winning awards. So then I was there like, at this point, that is when you kind of have a uh, 
of course it's like validation from from out out like outer validation but like i've been validated enough that i am good at what i do i have good enough connections and i'm performing in good enough spaces to big enough audiences that my sense of worth within a rate has gone up but then it's so hard in times like this where like everyone's just needing to make money you know and but then also you do have times where i think that you can have um a leniency you know if it's a friend or like if it's something that you might meet really amazing people or if it's going to help someone or if it's for like for charity or like or things like that um i think then i'm way more lenient because i'm there like well yeah like i would like to work with you or i think it's a good project or i'm willing to like you know to move around on my sense of payment yeah is I, that lenient in terms of they'll come to you and sort of offer you a fee and then you'll kind of say yeah that's all right or or is it more so of what you're offering um well i guess it's the conversation you have like the language you use in those emails and stuff where like i think it's good when i think it's for me personally it's more like me being like well what is your budget like what is your what are you playing with and then i can figure out like what I can do for you because also like I think a good thing is like with it is you can it's about work, work figuring out how to be a good freelancer I think like um and this is what, what I've learned from other amazing freelancers that I've worked with who just know what they're doing so like often in an email I'll be like this is my rate um I'm open to discussion and then like that means that like they can be like that's not within our budget or you can then have the, 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 the space to kind of be like, if they say no, you then can be like, um, and give you another figure, you'd say, well, within that rate that I said I'd do it, I would offer this, 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 and this, but the rate that you're offering, I'm willing to do that, but I'm only going to give you this, yeah. this, and this, because it's actually less, and like, and kind of keeping it open and, and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I still find it a horrifically difficult situation and question and it kind of is one of the reasons why I kind of make my own shows quite a lot because I don't really like being controlled by other people in that way but it also means that I'm in that I'm the person like, I just have to yeah. sell like I just have to sell sell tickets and that's that's the only conversation I need to have um I don't have to talk about you know what I, myself, because I, I think it just trickles down into what you think your sense of worth is as a creative as a performer as a person it can open those doors and those doors aren't always um wanted to be opened <laughs> <laughs> at certain points you know when you're feeling vulnerable already completely you know? I find it really difficult and that's why like for the most part we don't have to have that chat because the work that really matters our agents deal with it all yeah um of course so yeah but or I they'll mean, fight on your behalf yeah it must be hard as well like I guess like f for you both that um because that's also why I kind of like wanted to get away from I wanted to be a comedian and I wanted to like uh, create this character because it gave me autonomy a little bit more because I couldn't handle mm. waiting or someone telling me yes or no or whatever. Like it kind of been there like, well, I can make this work. Like I will make this happen myself. But like it must be difficult in a, in a, in a space where everything's down. Welcome, Welcome to, to our that. autonomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. But it's true though. I have friends in the States and it's, I've been having conversations with them in recent times because they're very good at sort of getting up and making their own work and doing yeah. all of that kind of thing. A, because they kind of have to with the way that agenting and management and stuff works over there. But also it's, it's 
really like looked up to you can be mm. a creative and a director and a musician and an actor and all of these things and a comedian if you want to mm. and it's and it that you're sort of looked at as an artist with a package deal to offer yeah. whereas i think over here it can be it was um, down a little bit yeah a little yeah. bit more difficult because it kind of almost looks like you have your fingers in multiple pies and are you actually um a really fully fledged good Actor. actor or music or musician yeah. or comedian or whatever it of is course. singularly without doing those other things like it's almost like you need to focus all of your energy into that one thing fully until yeah. you can do um yeah i feel like i have my fingers in bits of pies but it's like i never give it you know i never give them enough sort of weight because i'm like i know i need to focus on this thing before i start definitely know, writing comedy sets or doing more music stuff or whatever like of course because i think that's also like um, like another difficult question that I was gonna, is this a, could this segue in? This is, yeah, segue. oh my god, great. I'm happy you're segueing because okay, we're terrible. We're just like, tell us more. Speak to us. <laughs> well, I think that's what I found really difficult, like, um, is a difficult question I've had recently is kind of like, um, the cabaret and drag world and the queer world really have accepted me and like really helped me to grow and like it's been really beautiful like it's really helped me discover things about myself and so many beautiful things have come from it but then like it's really created a space between me and the comedy world I felt like because I think I've had a lot of difficult conversations where it's kind of like because the character that I do is a drag character which means like I wear makeup and and a lot of the references references as queer and I think the comedy world on large is still like quite a straight male dominated space and it means like I've had a lot of difficult conversations where people literally have like know that I've sold out this space know that I've got this review know that I've got this award like know these things and then literally I sit down with them and they're like so it's comedy you do and I'm like well yeah like but like they find it really hard to I'm see famously that very because... funny I'm award winningly <laughs> funny look at me <laughs> how dare you even question my wife <laughs> But no, literally, like, it's kind of like, I'm like, what? And it's just literally because I wear makeup. It's like a barrier to these people to, like, to, to see me as a, a comedian or, like, a comic act. And, like, there are, there are a lot of, like, characters who are, um, you know, like, people dressing up as, as women. But a lot of the ones I know, like, I think are, are also, like, straight men or, or whatever. And, like, I think they kind of get an easier time with it because I'm a queer person. It means that I just sit very much within the drag queen category. And, like, I guess in the comedy lens, it's a comedy character that I'm doing. Um, but, like, I think originally I was trying to be smart and be there, like, well, if I confuse it, and it means I can work in three different genres. It means that I can be booked for cabaret, drag, and comedy. Mm. But then I think actually what it might have done is, like, diluted it almost that, like it's not a pure comedy character because it looks too much like drag and it and it is too many things but then I think the difficult thing is that like there just isn't a space necessarily I feel for like queer expression within the comedy world as much like or like because like, before lockdown happened I wanted to start like a big night with like queer comedy because there are so many people that like redefine what comedy can be instead of just standing with a microphone talking about your wife and kids you know like yes like there's so many different fantasies that you can create like if you're going to come see my show you're going to see me like we're going to do like a like a comedy seance where like i play a character who gets taken over by different spirits so i'm different characters like i mystically chat to you about your futures and your past like i'm creating an experience for you to like enjoy and like that's a lot of work and like i sing in it and i lip sync and there's like costumes and shit like there's a lot of things that go into it which but then again, like that, then is just isn't necessarily seen in in the purest comedy form. And then, 
That's no. difficult because then again, it's that same thing of worth. It's that same thing as representation. It's that same thing as identity, and it's kind of like, oh, I really like lent into this because I thought it was a strength. Oh no, it was re me uh, re uh, reaffirming or like me um, taking hold of something that was like told was a weakness to me as a as a person, like being camp and being firm, making it a strength, making a career out of it being self-sufficient and then being told that because of all those things actually maybe that isn't a strength like maybe that isn't but I, ge I guess terrible. that's like I guess that's like um it just not being like palatable to the straight this lens, is it. which this is, is exactly it. what 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 we're talking about completely covers um like your ability to be able to sort of like penetrate that com comedy bubble I guess Aye. because there we go um but yeah like I think it's <laughs> it's not a commentary on it being like a diluted version of different things. I think it's just that people are, like you say, just not open to... But yeah, I think it's that, that's it. It's the learning that it's actually adding. It's not subtracting. Like, it's not diluting. Like, But I think that's also the thing. The, the, the hard thing is, it's like, the, the reason that it doesn't seem palatable to a straight audience is because you're not representing like you're not putting us in those spaces so yes. if i were to be on a bill with these other people then you're expanding what people think comedy can be do you know what i mean yeah. like mm. comedy can be someone and of course there's been amazing brilliant drag comedians and like lily savage and like incredible people throughout time who've done this but like i think still it's a hard time like still it's a hard process and but if you were to put me on stage with other people, then you are expanding people's knowledge of what it can be. And I yeah. think that's not a hard thing to necessarily do. Like, sure, at the beginning, it might be a bit rougher, but like, but there's also that annoying thing where it's like, I am, I'm making my money. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am sustainable, <laughs> darling. So like, well, don't question that, like, don't question that there isn't a market or I was like, how would I be doing what I'm doing? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, so what do you think the route is for then, say on say to say, have like commercial appeal to like, I, I don't know, like, um, what would you call the general audience, like, as opposed to... Or, like, a, a slot community. on, like, Live at the Apollo or whatever. Yeah, it is yeah, yeah. So all, those, you, all those Debbies and Ian's. Yeah, do you think it's... <laughs> do you think it's... Carrots. Do you think it's... What, like, what's the, what's the order of that? Do you think it's, like, creating a culture in which the Debbies and the Ian's are more, uh, uh, I don't know, aware? Well, or do you think it's getting a producer who's like, I'm going to stall down doors for you? Or yeah, getting you know. to do that? I think it's like what I thought was the thing to do was to kind of make the space and so like on a business side of things to be like look that this is this is this will earn money this this is this is good and like just to create those platforms I guess and I don't know it was kind of like what I was trying to achieve like I think my what I want to achieve as a as a queer artist is to create those spaces in the worlds that I want to that, that I that I love and that's like comedy you know like um and I'm not saying that there's not people doing that already. There's, there's, there, there are amazing people working in the comedy world. Um, I just know from my own personal experiences, like the hard things that I've had, like that I've found, like, like just certain things like, you know, like not being, I don't know. I see people who I started out with who have great agents now or like have these things that are put in place, but maybe don't have the performative receipts that I have. Do you know what I mean? Like don't have the like to like like successful shows in edinburgh or like uh like tours or all these things that like i've worked hard to like, to do so that my profile is high enough so that people can respect me or try to or at least that's the wish and that people who haven't got as much but are more palatable and who are just getting more opportunities and like it's it's, it's also like not about being bitter it's about celebrating people's journeys but like i think sometimes the hard thing is 
what I'm shown is the reason for that is because I'm a queer person who wears makeup like and performs and that that, yeah. that is kind of because also like when I was starting out with this I was like that was the fear but like it wasn't based on anything just like an idea and then when you figure out that actually it is those things that are holding you back then you're kind of a bit like oh crap like that that's real then and that's kind of hard and like upsetting when you then see people to succeed and you're kind of like cool like I I guess I need to reframe or like I need to figure out what it is I need to change or but then actually just I think it's just also just enjoying your process and enjoying your art like I try not to get so bogged down in that like just trying to expand and evolve and like also figure out recently more like that you are an artist do you know what I mean like as a comedian like it restricted you so much in terms of funding in terms of like grants in terms of like so many things but actually like what I do is multidisciplinary anyway so like recently I've been trying to be like you're more of an artist you can be seen as that so like be getting those fundings be getting those grants be getting those things in place that you can be creating work with yeah. in that way because you can sustain and still be happy and creating it's just maybe not the pathway you first set out and then because it's always about like accruing uh status and power and and a profile and people and and um you know a presence and uh a history of shows and created projects and as long as you're doing that, I think at one point you'll have the autonomy of your career to be able to make decisions, you know, for yourself, I think. But you do. But it is really hard. But you do have, like you said, a fantastic brand. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I, think I want to move away, like, be, it's a great brand. I love Seance. I mean, they're a really fun character to play, but, like, I do want to move away from that as well. Like, I want to make more characters, maybe, or, like, different things so that I'm not necessarily just seen as this one thing, because I think it's really easy to, and... Um, but, yeah, I've been super lucky uh, to have, like, achieved what I've achieved in, like, the space that I've done it, and it's been really great. I just... You just... I think any artist, you just want to keep moving and evolving, and, like, for that to happen, those doors need to kind of open for you, and if you're pushing against those doors constantly and they're not, then like, where do you go? And do you know what I mean? Like, then you have to figure out how you leave that building, move around that building, go into a different building and try and open those doors. And that's, that's time and have, then wasted and, and used And have the money to be able to be comfortable to have the creative energy to oh, do that. Oh, baby, yeah. literally. Yeah, not doing 40 hours of a side job, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because then, then it's, 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 I think it's almost impossible. And like, I've been lucky enough recently because I was like for years, like you know, like TAing and like working in offices and like all these things and mm. all these side hustles and trying to still do what I could do, and it was just nearly impossible. And like it's achievable, of course, and people do it, and like I was able to do it. And I've been lucky enough recently that I can live a lot more from my creative projects, but then, but then still, like, yeah, still the hard thing. Also, like I said at the moment, is like last month it was me just being business it wasn't me necessarily being that creative it was me just being like get those gigs you just survive and then you kind of get like the joy gets sucked out of it a little bit and but yeah I think there's it's just a lot of processes but like I think my main goal is just to make things easier for queer people in the comedy world like I'd like there to be to expand people's notion of what comedy can be and like for that to be a platform that is respected and seen and is valid do you know what I mean? Completely. 100%. I think it expanded my, like... Like, because comedy kind of, like, I found... That it, it, like, allowed me to find myself, like, within, like, the queer community a lot as well. Mm. And which also led me to sort of broader versions of what that is and, and cabaret and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, well, yeah, I've, like, brought you 
guys to like some stuff and oh, yeah you know we went think... to um what's called lol word comedy in like battersea oh uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we had love, a love, great love time they're incredible yeah they're all amazing so good should we move on to your last conversation dan i don't know which one you want yeah, to do definitely. let us um um okay let's do like a gender thing i guess this question is almost like to myself though i think recently um since doing seance since doing all these things like all these things just accumulate into like one journey of like expression and identity i think like as a performer uh as a drag performer you know like as a comedy performer like all these things is like help you figure out more things about yourself um and like for me like when i started doing comedy that was kind of like, the first time that i was able to stand in a room and like to talk to people out loud strangers and be like i'm a gay person wow. Do you know what i mean like i'm a gay man and and that gave me so much more strength of identity to be like to to own that as your own to be like i am that is what i am and like to have that in a room and like to be on stage and say that like it was kind of like therapy i guess um and then and then, and then so that was really amazing for me i think to kind of like establish that for myself um and and that just be more confident in it, I think. It was that was, and not be like shameful of it or scared of it. Like, like to, to, to make people laugh with my experiences as being a gay person was like really valid to me, I think. Um, and then I made Seance, and then I guess like Seance as a character, um, I say like they're they, like they're, they're kind of like gender fluid, you know, like there are bits like I've got a mustache in it, and like there are bits where like I talk about my vagina, but then there are also bits where like I get out my balls to like, look at my crystal ball and all these little things that like because it's kind of like because of course drag is drag is all about you know like the the expression of like gender and and for me like i kind of wanted it not to be to be placed um not to like cause obviously because a lot of my audience were like comedy like i didn't want it to be like them to come see this beautiful uh female impersonator like that wasn't about that wasn't what i wanted like sounds say separate to that for me um and then uh i I guess it's kind of made me question more about my things, you know, like what I feel strengthened and happy in and like what I feel, like what boundaries to me have been useful and what haven't been, you know, like what identities that have been useful and what haven't been. Like, I think for me, like it just kind of like made me the question that I, it made me question my like gender identity. And I kind of thought that I was maybe more gender fluid. And like I've come to the place where like my pronouns are he, they, and like still he, and like I would say gender fluid for me, like, is the term that I would like to use because I still think there are times where like I'm still within the male bracket but like that male bracket has also caused me a lot of trauma has also caused me like a lot of pain because I haven't been a man you know like I've been very like femme all my life and very camp and like reclaiming those things but like to know that I expand that in identity and like I feel so much more strength in the female side of things and like when I'm being seance is really powerful to me and like being able to be camp and and femme is like reclaiming that as a strength do you know what I mean like having so many conversations as a child being there like be more of a boy and stuff like that and then to kind of get to a place where you're there like actually that thing that you told me not to be is the thing that is literally keeping me alive like it's keeping me giving me rent money like you know what I mean like it's keeping me afloat um but there's been a lot of questions within that you know like because then you question like um are you doing this for you? Because you see so many people and so many performers who are doing it and you're like, because I don't think I'm very queer necessarily my aesthetic and I think that's like a really thing that people are. 
um, which is beautiful, like express yourself in whatever way. But like for me, it's, it's not necessarily that. Like I think I come across quite, you know, boy um, in my everyday. And then like you kind of question like, does that mean I can be? Like I didn't even know that he, they was like really pronouns that I could be the combination yeah. of, do you know what I mean? I could still be he and also they. And, and it wasn't until like talking to other people, other queer people that I was like, oh cool, like you can be. And actually at the end of the day, it's just whatever makes you happy. It's like whatever makes you comfortable, like whatever on that spectrum you feel like you sit in is where you sit in. Like, but like, I think it's hard like when you're constantly seeing other queer people on social media and like, and all these different things about like gender identity and like what straight people think about that and and so many like tropes and things that I've got into my head that I think are beliefs but they're not they're just someone else's opinion that has seeped into me for so long that then I go that isn't my opinion yeah. that's yours mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like that I think is a lot happening at the moment um but yeah I think that's the kind of the conversation I'm trying to have with myself at the moment it's just like figuring out where that sits and like sometimes in bed I like to feel like manly and like but that doesn't have to affect how I feel about that doesn't have to then be there like well maybe you're not yeah. there do you know what I mean but like those things can cross through your mind like question those things can be like what is am I fully that but then what is fully that like the whole point is to break down these barriers and these and these parameters and just be what you feel is right I feel like you've just literally like articulated my head <laughs> literally my brain I'm like <laughs> well, I am a mystic. Okay. I'm just reading your mind. <laughs> yes, you are. I love it. But it is so difficult, isn't it? Because I feel like like patriarchy has oppressed both men and women into these like roles that we think we should be in. So then, any deviance from that, yeah. you're kind of questioning: Am I other, or is this just a thing? Because this is the thing I like so strongly identify with being a woman. But I think the the possibilities of that are endless. And like, it's really interesting how a lot of the time. Uh, you realize that the oh so I was teaching some um we were talking about this I was teaching some kids the other day and there was a, a movement that was kind of more femme and I was getting quite conscious about teaching one of the young teenage boys that particular step but then I was but so I was going to change it and then I it's was thinking to myself yeah it was kind of what, a bit of or a bit of like sitting into the hip or like right, something yeah, yeah, just yeah. a bit more like something that like maybe I don't know, the choreographers we use to like accentuate a female form mm, or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, or something just a bit softer, a bit, I don't know. See, what the fuck is feminine anyway? But, um, but and like, I, I get very aware that like teenage boys, especially in dance, I don't want to uh, alienate by making anything too a, much of one thing. Mm. But then I realised that a lot of the routines I'd done before had been really strong and really angular and really... And so, and in my head, I'm like, but I hadn't given a second thought as to doing that. And it's like this thing where we see uh, the masculine as the default. Mm. Mm. And then so anything feminine is like a, a departure from that. But then why is that a thing? Anyway. Yeah. Or even that, that, that you were subconsciously choosing like the mask thing as the neutral, even though you have yeah. a class full yeah. of young girls. Yeah. If that's correct, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, that you—that was what you were sort of subconsciously going to in order to neutralize your class to include all of the genders that are in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is I mad. That interesting. But it's so mad also that like we can even like go into like how the body moves and like and then still try and categorize those things as well. Like we just want to categorize everything in the way. <laughs> yeah. But I find this also really interesting. Is like um, is the journey of of 
of masculinity in people's lives, I think. And like, so like, I think as a, as a, as a queer femme camp kid, like I wasn't out for like, but I wasn't out as a child. I was, I came out like quite late. Well, I came out like 18 to my family around like 20. Um, but I was super gay constantly. Um, in fact, people thought I was gay from like maybe the age of five because I looked identical to the gay friend in Billy Elliot. Like, as a child, I looked identical to. So, like, from that age, people were kind of, like, linking me to that. But, um, but I think it's really interesting that, like, if you're not masculine, like, as kind of, like, a queer, queer kid, like, a camp femme kid, you're constantly faced with the idea of masculinity because you're constantly told that you're not. Like, like, like the idea of masculinity is constantly thrust upon you in a way because you're not like every locker room, like every party, like every break time, like because you're not playing football, because you're not doing these things. So like the idea of masculinity is like running through your mind and constantly you're shown that in your face. Like it's constantly like shown to you all the time um, because you're not that. And I find it really interesting what I, what the life and upbringing of like a, of a mask boy, of like a straight mask boy would be like. And if they're aware of masculinity as much because like they are just it. Do you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of the time if you're not it, you're you're bombarded with it constantly but do you know what i mean does that make sense yeah it does i think i was i was having this conversation recently in terms of like because I, I danced when i was like younger and i did like ballet and stuff mm. and um, i was i mean i was pretty you know we do it i guess as a career now um and you know have a lot of capability to sort of do that very stereotypically like femme movement for want of a better word but i also liked the thought of being able to do I don't know, like athletics and sport and that kind of thing. And I was fairly uh, quick or whatever. I would run with my dad and my brother, whatever. Mm. Uh, but it was so funny how much I was sort of like shunned away from doing that, like by various comments of people being like, oh, like I played tennis this one time or whatever. And I'd have comments <laughs> about the fact that I was like dancing around the, um, the tennis court almost as like a no, you've got your box, you you do that thing. Like this thing yeah, isn't yeah, the yeah. thing for you, which I think is really interesting that that was, I don't think, I don't know if I was conscious of it, but I think that kind of um, sort of being steered away from that sort of mask thing sort of when I was younger was I think quite prevalent without me realizing it was prevalent until um, I was a bit older, yeah. um, which I just think is funny. Cause I, you know, I sort of sat within all of the other stuff and I loved my dance and I loved that. And um, I don't, I don't know how much it, I think I probably need to do a lot more like thinking sort of like back onto it. I think I only think, you know, have thought about it in later years, but I don't know how much that sort of like consciously or subconsciously affects a, a person. Um, mm. But I think it was Because nice I think it is that. hard. I think that's hard though, because I think I've been recently had like a, a similar thing, like even with ther in, like within therapy, like having the, the notion or the idea coming to me that like, I think it's sad that, um, for me personally, and this is not everyone's journey, but like everyone knew. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone knew. Like I didn't have a hard coming out, like coming out story, but like I had a hard like in the closet time. And like, and like from reflecting back on that, like when I came out, everyone was like, yeah, duh. But then like my entire life had been spent, like people were, like deterring me from doing femme shit or like being gay. And I'm like, you knew from the beginning that I was a gay kid. Why didn't you just let me be gay? Like, why did you have to try and stop me from being gay? Like, because that's the upsetting thing is that, like, I was so far in the closet because, like, I felt like I couldn't. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you did that. Like, you made me feel like I couldn't do those things. When literally, because they, because from, from their perspective, I guess, they didn't know what that meant. 
and they were scared for me for me to be that because to them they didn't know what that journey or that life felt like do you know what i mean like yeah. in their in their head it's not the the, the straight and narrow quite literally <laughs> but like it's um but yeah it's i mean and i found that upsetting because i was just there like god damn it you knew like i would have so much less walls and like so much less of a journey that i needed to have in later years if you just let me like put a fucking dress on like just let me like have female friends without having to like comment on that and like just those little things and like but because then because i think it's hard if it comes from the home and then all your friends and all these things and then you're just constantly being told that like you're not the thing you're supposed to be and then that's a lot of work to then be an adult and have to like figure out that that's not true do you know what i mean and like there's just so many ideas i think also about like about queer people about like gay gay people about lesbians about like about trans people about so many ideas that like aren't our ideas like i've been reading this book about like um therapy like it's like a, a guy that did therapy for gay men for like throughout decades so like so like through like the like aids crisis and stuff in like the 80s and that and like loads of different times in like in 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 history for gay men not loads of different times but like he's he's a one human man he's one human man to so like his life like maybe like 30 40 years the 1900s <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The 1920s. <laughs> yeah i mean but um but, but part of what he says is about the idea that like um homosexuals but because the term homosexual still kind of means like human sex disorder or whatever and like which is kind of crazy because that's where it started off like like medically it was a thing that wasn't sound, do you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, you had a disorder because of what you were attracted to. But, like, the idea that, like, that gay men are very promiscuous and that they fuck a lot. And, like, that isn't, that isn't a gay idea. That isn't a gay thought. That is a thought from a straight person onto gay people. But, like, I, when I was growing up, it was a lot more, like, internal homo homophobia. But, like, look at someone who was very gay and think, oh, but they probably fuck a lot. Like, fuck around a lot. It's like, I thought that would happen in my head back then. Like, not anymore. And, like, just, like, even reading that at the age of 27 and being like, oh, God, right. That isn't my thought. Like, that isn't true to what my experience is. Like, that's also just, like, because the patriarchy has oppressed women and, and themselves and everything so much that they can't be as liberated sexually as, say, queer people. But, like, that's them saying that about us, not us saying that about ourselves. And, like, I mean, there's so many things like that that we figure out. And it's kind of mind-blowing because, like, you've let yourself believe these things about yourself that weren't even true. <laughs> Which is just crazy. But um, It's so wild. Yeah. Mm. and exhale <laughs> yeah 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 i'm yeah, just yeah. like we're all living in some like trippy science experiment where we're all socially conditioned to be fucked but it's up. true and i think that's no. why everything and i think that's why people get these ideas of like extremes or whatever mm. it is that they think toward like you say like the queer community which is just incorrect it's because obviously as you say it's this that like the you know this patriarchal sort of indoctrination of something that is very like yeah. closed and boxed off which which obviously oppresses people and themselves you're right yeah, like yeah. it doesn't allow for any sort of i don't know yeah coming out of that it's but i think it's also like so much of like media is based in like fear like so much of things that we mm. believe about like you know, like, in the recent years, like, at the moment, like, the transphobia that's happening, and recent years, like, the Islamophobia that's happening, like, all of it being based in fear, not in fact, in opinion, and, like, all these things that make people, like, it just seeps into you until you're there, like, 
and it's just so hard for you not to like allow that to be beliefs do you know what i mean like to allow those things to be um i mean it's not that hard but like when you realize it and you realize these things like i know what have you seen the jade goody documentary no, if not you should really watch it like it's really amazing but like it just shows you the power of the media like within the jade goody experience like she was like idolized it was it was like this incredible had this incredible platform and then the media kind of like really twisted it around and like really like yeah. then made her an an, e an evil person an enemy and like just the power that 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 the media has to do that to people and to groups and to religions and to like countries I feel like Jamila Jamil has said something similarly about what the media is doing to her, about like idolizing her and then all of it, like, and then like preparing for her downfall. Yeah, kind of like, yeah. yeah, prepping. And then her. so, like, idolizing her, and then when she's imperfect, criticizing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and there's many, but there's was... many in that. There's many in people's breakdowns. There's many in people oh, going right. on interviews, fucked. And they still do those interviews because that's money to people. That's still interviews. That's still that's still media space being taken up by somebody. It's just mad. Like, yeah, it's just really. I don't know. Watch that documentary. It's really amazing. It's really sad, um, but it just shows you the power, really the power uh, that the media has on people. Because like I remember being a child or like a teen and feeling those things that was told to me to feel. Do you know what I mean about this person? Yeah. I don't know who the fuck this person was. I've never met them. But I was told to hate this person, so I did. And, like, it's just crazy. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's so interesting. But, um, you can link that in the show notes, the, the documentary. Yeah, we'll link the documentary in. Oh, yeah, do, 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 do. Um, just for time, I mean, you, thank you for bringing so many incredible conversations. Oh, no. this, it's been amazing. It's been so great. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're an absolute icon. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks. It's so true. You really are. I think you should be like add another string to your bow and be like public speaking extraordinaire as well. Like a hundred percent. I could listen to you all day. Maybe. I really could. Maybe I will. I feel like I've been a bit of a chatty Cathy, but I guess it's also a podcast. <laughs> this has been Open House with Mel Lowe and Clancy Ryan. Music by Glenn Clark.